0: brought to you by make fun network
1: disclaimer please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make we are not historians we are idiots Welcome to Anachronismo. Anachronismo. I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. And today we have some great history for you. Because we are the comedy podcast that brings you strange, specific stories from history and then makes jokes about them. I am today going to be talking about the Victorian pipe culture explosion when the Victorians decided they were just super into smoking pipes and the various decisions that they made based in and around that, as well as a lot of tobacco tidbits along the way. I just want to make an initial disclaimer here. If you're trying to quit smoking, we're going to talk about tobacco a lot on this episode. If tobacco is bad, don't use it. We don't endorse it. But it has a weird and really funny history, uh, also a really tragic history. But, you know, everything in our world does. So I just wanted to, uh, to say, if you're, you know, if you're trying to quit smoking, maybe this isn't the great episode for you. Just a uh, heads up.
2: My story today is going to be about a Ferdinand de Mara, also called the Great Imposter, who had a very interesting life by, quote, borrowing people's names. <laughs> Which I guess it was just a faster and looser time around uh, identity, um, even though this was only mid-20th century. So. Really? Yeah. Uh, most of his exploits were uh, 40s and 50s. Disclaimer, we also do not Endorse being an imposter and uh, okay. using other people's names to destroy other people's Null, lives.
1: No, you do not speak for me on that. <laughs> but it is very funny. Yeah. Awesome. So how do we know that you're uh, you're not an imposter right now,
2: Noel? Oh, cool. No, nah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. I guess that's how good of friends we are. Uh, cool, cool, Max. No, an no.
1: imposter would turn it back on me.
2: <laughs> no. No, anyone who is friends would turn it back on you. <laughs> For just, just stabbing you, your friend in the back like that and being like, hey, how do I know everything you ever told me? Is it a lie? Jackie?
0: So I've known him for 10 years now. Uh-huh. So I, he's at least been sticking with this one for 10 years. All right. Which at I think this... is long enough to say that it's his prime identity. At this now. point,
2: he's become the mask. Yeah. Oh, my God. I never was. <laughs> the Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, a lot of there was a lot of fire at that Chuck E. Cheese, alright? A lot of kids, you know, at that age, they run around, they get mixed up, there's ash and hair, and parents are like, oh my god, we gotta get out of here!
0: Why are you at Chuck E. Cheese at 20 years old?
2: <laughs> no, no, I mean like as yeah. a kid, this yeah, is yeah. before. Why are you calling yourself a kid when you're 20 years old? Hey, old? Chuck E. Cheese is where a kid can be a kid, and a, an adult can be <laughs> yeah. an imposter? I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't wanna, alright. What's the other 20 year old he got mixed up with there? <laughs>
0: The guy in the suit.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Chucky
0: himself.
2: I, I yeah, I was shooting more of when I was four. This is when my identity was switched by a tragic Chuck E. Cheese fire. Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if it happened at four,
2: and then you are Noel now. You're Noel now. All right, yeah, but what age would have been the cutoff? Like eight, nine? Like when like when do you get the sense of identity enough that you're like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong family, but I'm a little shy to speak up.
0: I'm gonna go Seven.
1: Seven. Okay. Yeah, seven sounds seven. about right. Yeah. Right. Lucky number seven. Cool. Age of awareness. Yeah. Puberty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up until you seven? have puberty, you can just swap families and you
2: fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: time do you think puberty starts?
2: Earlier and earlier, Jackie. Yeah. Kids don't get enough sunlight. Stress hormones and mm-hmm. the like, but it's it starts at Seven? Five
1: years earlier? Well, you, you guys didn't go through puberty at seven. Yeah. Well- Speaking of becoming... Puberty. <laughs> Speaking of puberty, when you turn 18, what can you buy?
0: A lot of tickets.
1: Yes.
2: Um, that too. What else? I mean, at 18, you can... Porn. Still buy a lot. Oh my God, you can honestly click into a website that says you must be at least 18 to That's enter. right. Tobacco. You can buy tobacco at 18. You both guessed right. All right. <laughs> Actually, you in masses in 21 now.
1: It
0: is,
3: yeah. I think so.
2: Across the board in New states, Jersey is they've been uh, upping it to 21. Oh. Well, I'm
1: in favor of that. Yeah. yeah. Should I big tobacco? I'm standing up to you. So tobacco, we all know it about it now, right? And it's kind of ubiquitous. We know it's bad for us. We stayed around. We're, we're raising the the age that you can buy it at legally. You know, if you like think about the past, you can often picture like, oh, people smoked a lot in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. But what kind of effect has it had on culture, like historically? I, I started reading into this, and this is way too big a question. It's a fucking wild ride to how tobacco has changed and how culture has changed around it and all that sort of thing. So I decided to narrow my story down. To
0: only smoking jackets? Yes, Yes.
1: Yes. Smoking jackets do feature. Yes. They do feature and they were invented by the Victorians. And I'll get to that. But I narrowed it down just to a specific period and a specific part of tobacco. Honestly, that was really hard. So as we go along, I'm going to be throwing in just like little tobacco tidbits and giving a little bit of background from other times and places because it's so wild. Just
0: flicking ash at us.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs>
0: I figured it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: little tiny snuff pinches of history. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you take snuff. <laughs> okay. I don't think you go. It's no. It's not in the it's mouth. It's not like you're taking it in a little tiny straw.
1: It's onomatopoeia.
2: No. What? Snuff is onomatopoeia.
1: For how you use it, um, oh, up the nose.
3: Oh, I
0: was like, I, I could make a snuff noise with my mouth.
1: That's more of a slurp. That's still a slurp. <laughs> that was that was more of a huff. Okay, I I hate this. <laughs> Please stop. Um, all right, you got the headphones, in. and this is gonna be so bad for oh. our listeners. Oh, they're gonna love just oh, like all of these agony. mouth and nose sounds. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, cool, cool, cool.
0: Yeah, sorry, listeners, I have a cold. Um, I'm
1: probably gonna take a little bit of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, tobacco originally comes from the Americas. And before European conquest, uh, it had been used for millennia as a part of the culture of pretty much everyone in the Americas. Uh, Native Americans used it. Socially, medicinally, used it to communicate certain things with other tribes. They used it like to barter, all sorts of things. And it was a huge part of their culture. And they even had a specific type of rock that they carved their pipes out of. They came from one specific place, one specific mine in the middle of America. And that specific mine was neutral ground. If you went there and you saw your your blood enemy there, you saw somebody like killed your family or, you know, there was like you were at war with another tribe. You went there and you saw them. You had to be cool because everyone had to be cool at the pipe mine. (laughs) Which I love. (laughs) Um, The Aztecs smoked pipes and cigars. They had like. The peace pipe? The peace pipe is, yeah, a thing from a lot of Native American culture. Um, It's something I could take time to get into, and it's really interesting. Some tribes did that, some tribes didn't. Um, But yeah, the peace pipe was a big thing. There was was culture like, depending on which way you pass the pipe, it meant different things, Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. And like, there were different ways they carved their pipes, you know, that meant different things. It's really fascinating. It would be its whole own episode for just Native American pipe culture. But it's not as silly as Victorian pipe culture so oh, i want to go the silly one i want to go sure. with the silly one i want to give some background the aztecs and mayans also smoked pipes and cigars there's even a mayan deity who is always pictured with a big giant cigar in his mouth <laughs> and noel right now has a uh, wooden pipe in his mouth which i didn't know he smoked i don't <laughs> he just owns a pipe yeah you know, I got to say, it, the pipe improves his behavior. You went pro-smoking pretty We're, quickly. <laughs> wearing a monocle now. He's uh, tucking into a top no, hat.
2: I, I, I had this. Um, this was my dad's. So when
1: the Europeans uh, first came to America, they didn't even understand what was going on with uh, tobacco smoking. Europeans didn't even have a word for smoking. They called uh, what the people they saw doing. They called it drinking smoke. But I I, I I digress here. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff about – really interesting stuff about like the 1st your appearance to take up smoking and how that impacted stuff and how they used it for trade and all sorts of stuff. But it's chapters and chapters and that's not what I'm – and I just wanted to give this sort of background to tell you how interesting this is.
0: Were there uh, – you might not know the answer. But were there – did they have illicit drugs before that they didn't
1: – Oh, Yeah. Yeah. People do drugs forever. I know. Ether I and uh... people love drugs. There's um but there's just, a type of a honey of... that they used to that they have in Greece. Bees what? harvest pollen from this local poisonous plant. And if you eat the honey, if you eat just a little bit, you trip balls. And <laughs>
2: mushrooms. mushrooms. I'm just
0: thinking of the drugs I'm I know about. Like a lot of them. You do some variation of smoking it. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering if the Victorians didn't have, no, have like Well, this is
1: well before the Victorian era where we at, are at right now. Oh. Yeah, like this is 17th century? This is like 1400s right now. Oh, okay.
2: Earlier, okay. actually. 1400s a little earlier, you know. Question. Sure. So smoking really originates entirely in America, or was that just for the Europeans? Like in smoking, East Asia, like East, Mongolia, China? They did like, not have tobacco. Yeah. So smoking wow.
1: so tobacco smoking comes from America and uh also Australia. The original cultivars of tobacco come from America. But Australia has a genetically similar plant uh that is different in certain key ways. So it was also used by uh, the Aborigines there. Interestingly, tobacco was one of the few things that Aboriginal people would trade. Like they're they they live their lives pretty much like we have everything we need, we hunt, we have you know, shelter that kind of a thing. And tobacco was, like, literally the one thing that were, like, oh, this is our one commodity. This is the one thing that, like, you know, status because it's hard to, like, get. And it was, like, a huge important thing in their culture. And that's a whole other thing I could get into. Okay. Um, but it generally, like, you know, the uh, the elders of the tribe would have stores of tobacco. And that was part of how you knew they were so, you know, important. So, we'll jump ahead a bit. Uh, Tobacco hits it big in Europe. It's science, it's medicine, it's relaxation, it's culture. They use it to open new trade routes, all sorts of stuff. The Elizabethan court, well before the Victorian court, once Queen Elizabeth got into smoking, developed a type of dandy. You know dandies, you know, the uh, fashionable gentleman Mm -hmm. called reeking gallants.
0: Ew.
2: (laughs) That sounds like that. We talked about the dandies in a previous episode and then we talked about punk bands and that reeking gallons <laughs> would yeah. be such a good punk band excellent name. punk band it name. sounds like
0: a farting horse
2: <laughs> yo hey <Name. laughs> that's like the old hungarian phrase "ashikalo low. i have it on okay. an apron somewhere before we get to that
1: it, i'm just picturing the horse mid-jump over a thing can't quite make it and farts to give it that little extra <laughs> boost over
2: <laughs> <laughs> i made it I'm a rocket
1: ship. <laughs> 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 so what's this thing about hung- the
2: Hungarian saying? Oh, there's this really weird Hungarian phrase. It's like a shikolo, fengika. I have it written down somewhere, but it basically translates to it's snowing outside and the horses are farting. <laughs> 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 just conventional wisdom from the Hungarian farmers. I Presumably it's just like it's so cold that Almost like in the same way when you breathe, you can see your breath. Of a horse's farting, you can see the the cloud. Just just conventional wisdom from some down to earth people, Mm -hmm. like real down to earth, real down to earth, scraping in the the mud to live. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: so these reeking gallants were really into smoking and they actually I'm and they still got,
0: imagining them as horses
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: with the really long cigarettes oh, like, so that their paws
1: their they're wearing in the fancy re-shirt. coats and horse big suits. Hats. yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I need to put that in the show notes That picture of the horse wearing a suit smoking a pipe um, so they were called reeking gallants in the Elizabethan era which is well before the Victorian era and they required <laughs> oh, a servant <laughs> just to carry around their tobacco and tobacco accoutrements. Like, for the um, incredible amount of stuff that they carried. Why didn't they put it in their saddlebags? <laughs> <laughs> just... Jackie has been just helplessly giggling this whole time. <laughs> horse dandies.
2: Jackie's first, weeping from... The first weeping on anachronismo uh, comes from... Horse dandies. Mm-hmm. Uh, reeking gallops. aww you know. and they're playing like little fancy lawn games. Like they're like little using their. They're throwing horseshoes. And, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> That's real math. That that would be the equivalent of people going outside and just taking a bunch of shoes and throwing them into sand pits and seeing like how why don't we do this?
0: Been a child playing games?
2: Why don't we do this? Definitely just
0: thrown my shoes. No, but it's not your
2: shoes. That's the thing. You're playing and you just have a. Have you ever been? Have you ever been a bullied child? (laughs) No. There you go, buddy. Wait, they took your shoes and... Oh. I don't want to talk about it. No, I'm talking about more of a social sport. Like, like this summer, we play man and woman shoes, and we go to a park, uh-huh. and we go to uh, Urban Renewal, yeah. and we spend, like, what, like, 10 bucks, and we just get, like, 12 shoes. yeah. And we just split up into teams and we just throw the shoes and they're arbitrarily, we decide what the points value is. Done. I'm in 100%. Mm-hmm. People shoes, man shoes.
0: I've, I've definitely played games like that with rolled up socks.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. They're little balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm to play man shoes. <laughs> so we have the stuff. So tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> super bad. Right,
0: that's big. what we were talking oh, about. Right.
1: Science, medicine, all sorts of stuff. The Dutch, at this point in time, about commensurate with the reeking gallant, go crazy for smoking, and they like this whole thing of like no Dutchman is complete without a pipe in his hand. <laughs> that's a good um, slogan. And they even see it as medicine. Like they experiment because at this point the Dutch have like decoupled education from the church. So there's, like, a lot of educated people in in Holland. And so they start experimenting with stuff. And they decide, like, oh, tobacco must must be good for you. It makes you feel good, makes you feel strong, helps cognition. And, you know, uh, it must be good for your lungs to inhale this smoke. And you know who needs stronger lungs? Children. The sick. Babies. No. (laughs) So the Dutch developed tiny pipes for babies to smoke.
2: (laughs) To help them grow big and strong. Is that why their feet are deformed, and they have those weird round shoes? No, the, yes, yes, no. That's why they've got
1: the clogs. Oh my god! The clogs are there so they don't all burn up. Um, <laughs> little clog-footed baby smoking tiny baby pipes. <laughs> I tried How do you
0: st- make a baby smoke a pipe?
1: Babies naturally suckle.
0: Oh, you oh god!
1: It's... Yeah, yeah. They the babies are natural smokers, hmm. but they can't do any tricks with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that baby's going to be addicted, and it can't light its own pipe. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to be an annoying baby.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's very bad. The baby's going to... Are you
2: hungry? Do you want to smoke? Small. (laughs) You thought weeding a baby off the bottle was tough. (laughs) Try tobacco.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Snuff is also big. So, snuff is a type of tobacco that you, you grind it up and powder it. Put it on your knuckle. You snort it. And you sneeze and then you have the effects of tobacco in your system. Like immediately? Pretty much. It's, it's mm-hmm. a very quick way through the blood-brain barrier. Um, and it's gross because it also leaves like speckled snuff all over you. And people get really into this. Napoleon's super into snuff. Uh, he has like his own little snuff boxes with like Josephine's face on them. <laughs> um, lots of other people get into snuff. Snuff is so huge that there's actually a city-sized snuff factory in Spain that supplies most of Europe.
0: The size of a city. The
1: size of a city. Wow. Yeah, with its own, like, laws. Whoa. Um, and Pope Urban VIII uh, even bans snuff taking in holy places after he sees priests do it. He's um, like, geez, too
0: many people are sneezing. No uh, one can uh, hear this. Uh, no, no,
1: no. Here's what he thinks. Here, that's, It's even better. Because he thinks that taking snuff causes sexual ecstasy. <laughs> oh. And he can't have priests taking snuff and popping boners in church.
2: Did <laughs> you write that? A whole set. You <laughs> sounded so excited.
0: We just tobacco give you voters.
2: No. No.
0: Okay. It just uh, sounds like one of those
2: things that people, things. people does. Not ever do. Every time
1: people sneeze a bunch, he's like that's sneezing. That's the like uh, the explosiveness of an orgasm. I know I'm the Pope. <laughs>
2: so Every time to- you
1: sneeze, you're having a mini orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Pope. So he threatens to excommunicate any priest he catches that is caught doing snuff in a holy place so he just well i guess it's a and, stimulant but yeah it's not no, it, it, an it, it, aphrodisiac no or... no <laughs> but he thinks it is and it doesn't help that one priest um takes snuff at one point before this and literally vomits the eucharist uh onto Ooh, the altar that looks bad yeah <laughs> that looks <laughs> pretty bad so that's all pre-Victorian era, but stuff I didn't want to miss because I uh, love it so much. I can see how that is a hundred percent just the poopy look, huh? <laughs> all
0: right, we're not doing this anymore,
2: <laughs> guys.
1: I gave you one, I, gave, I gave you a chance.
2: You know what? If you had just vomited up the eucharist and didn't have a boner we might have <laughs> called it even but you priest i'm imagining like an 80s like college film where he's like the angry dean like you have the rebellious like priests and cardinals trying to trying to just smoke snuff and have a good time on the side. we just want a party come on Dean Urban, come on, you can't, the 18th, you can't do that. Pope doesn't tell us what to do. Yes, I do, I'm a the Pope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Pope is very Italian. Yes. Yup. Uh,
2: that is the point. <laughs> hey, walking around with his big papal robes with an I love New York on. <laughs> <laughs> Eating a big slice of
1: pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter with you popping a bone into the church?
2: <laughs> eh. <laughs> Just moms pulling priests by their, their sons who are priests by the ears out of the church. <laughs> You're late for dinner. <laughs> uh,
1: so, Victorian era rolls around, and with it, the beginnings of industrialization the beginnings of industrialization comes manufacturing and overseas trade, which means more jobs for educated people that pay more. And so a new professional caste sort of starts to form mm-hmm. as these people you know intermarry and form families and sort of start having generational wealth. The middle class in England.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and as a new class, distinct from the working class and the upper class, they need ways to distinguish themselves. And one of the ways that they they decide to do this uh, as, a, as a whole is through how they smoke. Mm-hmm. So – as we've seen, tobacco uses is, is nothing new in England at this point, nor is smoking. It's, it's the 1800s. People have been using tobacco for a couple hundred years at this point. But people mostly use snuff or smoke cigars or smoke clay pipes. However, snuff and cigars are more for the upper classes. They're, they are cost more. Um, cigars are actually kind of seen are only just at this point stopped being seen as something for like scoundrels to smoke and for like um, that kind of thing and only just now sort of starting to be enjoyed by people of, you know, richness Mm -hmm. and have like a sort of like a a quality to them that they enjoy. Clay pipes are used by the working class. They're cheap to make. They're disposable. In fact, they're often sold as single-use items with a plug of tobacco already in the pipe and then you just Throw away the pipe once you were done smoking.
2: Wow! Right into the ocean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, there's like a lot of buildings with like clay that that were built in the Victorian era that between the walls have are just filled with clay pipes that were like smashed as like laborers would smoke them and then just toss them in there.
0: Wow. It's kind of like how in um older homes there's sometimes a razor slot in the bathroom walls Mm -hmm. you just stick your pipes in there when you're (laughs) done
1: pipes and razors two great days that takes great together the safest way
0: dare you to put your hand in it john (laughs)
1: um so but the middle class doesn't want the expense of the upper class and they can't identify themselves with something that breaks so easily right so they begin to experiment with new types of pipes pipe types
2: but aren't they only breaking so easily because people are just throwing them? <laughs> like, you um, just smashing them after one
1: use? I mean, yes and no. They're not like porcelain pipes yeah. or like clay pipes. Like um, like the kind of shitty clay pipe that you'd like to make an ashtray out of when mm-hmm. you were a kid, you know? Not like well-made porcelain or well-fired things. They're, they're intended to be disposable and breakable. Like this ashtray that Noel just pulled out from when he was a child. Oh, it's an ashtray that he made for the cat.
0: <laughs> no, it's no. one that I made for the
1: cat. It's an ashtray that, that Jackie made for their cat with their cat's name on it because their cat smokes. Yeah, she's a over 21. Bowl. It's
0: a cat food bowl.
1: <laughs> that's not what it looks like, Jackie.
0: Because <laughs> pottery is hard.
1: It is hard. <laughs> yeah. make
0: anything taller than Oh my
1: God, Max, that. Max, and that's come on. Part, and that's part of why you know it's hard to have clay pipes that look good. So the two big types of pipes, the big pipe types that rise, are meerschaum and Brier pipes. Uh, meerschaum, which is German for sea foam, is a hydrated silicate of magnesia found mainly in Eskisehir in Turkey. Uh, it's called that for its pale white color and its lightweight. And tobacco smoked from a meerschaum bowl is uh, cooler and sweeter in flavor than that smoked from a clay pipe. <laughs> Meerschaum also has the attractive properties of being relatively easy to work. It's not brittle, so but but it, you can work it pretty well and it holds shape well, so you can get very intricate designs in it. Um, so they had like you know pipes that were like shaped like faces or like animals, like horses, like lions, like buildings, that kind of a thing, or that were just like
2: nicely made bowls. I wish I had known you were gonna talk about this because I could have brought up my dad's collection of pipes. Because he's got some of those like really all the like different varieties of like the corn cob and the wood. He I think used to collect them. But. That'd be yeah, that'd be really cool. We could uh if you
0: yeah take some pictures. Yeah,
2: where this I is ring on it. Did he smoke them? Yeah, he smoked he pipes I think when he was younger. Then like thirties and forties, I think he smoked cigars just because his whole like family did. There's actually a fun story of one time my mom told me this that i was like three or four and we were meeting my dad somewhere to they had a exchange something like before he went to work or something whatever they were meeting him but dad was smoking a cigar and i saw him drive up i told my mom was like mom daddy's got his wallet in his mouth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she laughed and laughed and told me i was wrong <laughs> <And> I... <laughs> called you an idiot called me stupid
1: just rubbed your nose in the dirt took my shoes yeah threw them
2: and then said hey nice made shoes kid. made you
1: smoke a whole box of cigars and tell us to ask you if they were really wallets yeah <laughs> so wallets taste characters. like this Noel. Yeah, that
2: not, no yeah that's not so
1: nice yeah um <laughs> If you've seen a Meerschaum pipe like your dad's pipe, you know they have another attractive quality that uh, made them interesting to the Victorians, which says that Meerschaum also changes hue as you use it from a pale white to a honey brown over years of use.
0: And it's not just a stain from the tobacco smoke? It
1: is, but if you if you handle it right, it's an attractive stain. Ah, okay. Uh, so Mearsham pipe owners mm-hmm. would be very protective of their pipes as they, like, colored them as they smoked. After each use, they would wipe the bowl with a silk handkerchief that they carried exclusively for that purpose and then tuck it away in a tight-fitting cloth pouch so that it wouldn't be harmed. And that ritual sort of was very appealing to the Victorians, very appealing to the middle class, but also very appealing to the upper class as sort of a substitute for actually working, <laughs>
0: Of wiping their tobacco bowl? Yeah, yeah, you know,
1: they need something to fill the time. Oh gosh, um, someone's
0: going to make a podcast about how we treat our, uh, our smartphones
1: like this. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we're talking about
2: this. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> there's, there's similarities. Oh, dro- oh,
2: man, I dropped my pipe in the toilet. Oh, <laughs> damn, I got to... I got to uh, pack this pipe in rice. <laughs> oh, it's going to be two years before I can get another new... <sighs> I, before I the, borrow. before
1: gotta... the Meerschaum 5, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> So um cavalry officers would often adopt Mircham pipes, um uh being members of the upper upper classes. And there are But there are a lot of stories about them being too impatient to actually wait for the pipes to color on their own and trying to jumpstart the process. Uh, One smoker in the cavalry apparently enlisted a detachment of lifeguards to smoke his pipe constantly. (laughs) Quote, swaddled carefully in soft flannel and filled always with the best tobacco at the owner's expense. The pipe passed from mouth to mouth for the space of seven months. When it was finally unwrapped, it was colored a rich, deep brown pronounced perfect by connoisseurs of pipe coloring.
0: And the whole cavalry
2: got oral herpes. <laughs> so Wait, you, could... you said that it was cavalry or? Cavalry. Okay. For some reason, I heard lifeguard.
1: Yes, he had a lifeguard detachment smoke it. Had the he... lifeguard is a different thing.
2: Yeah, I was like, man. Yeah. The
0: whole <laughs> lifeguard nope. had a cold because they just kept giving it back and forth to mm. each other. No snuff in the pool.
2: <sighs> oh, she didn't eat today. I put her a food bowl. Not her drugged food bowl. That's
1: true. I didn't, didn't date this cat. today. today. Um, so... You could find Meerschaum pipes in all shapes and sizes, um, you know, famous faces, lion heads, all sorts of stuff. But Meerschaum, as I said, was not the only pipe material. The other type of pipe that found uh, aficionados in the new middle class was briar pipes. Now, uh, wooden pipes were nothing new. People have been trying to use wood for pipes for centuries. But what does wood do when it heats up? It expands. It burns, burns Jackie. That's contracts. right. Cracks. It burns. It burns. No, we got it. it Turns brittle. <laughs> It burns, no. Turns into Char- magic.
2: <laughs> it burns. No, it, it burns. burns. It burns. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Scientific methoding. And so Here. this
1: shortened the lifespan of wooden pipes considerably because nobody wanted to smoke charcoal, you know? And so it was a huge stroke of luck when a wood was found that could actually handle the heat of smoking tobacco. When a pilgrim to visit, Napoleon's birthplace in Ajaccio broke his pipe and asked a passing Corsican peasant to make him another. That peasant used a local wood to fulfill this request, the uh, Erica arborea or bruyere, which the traveler was delighted to find worked as effectively as meerschaum in cooling and sweetening smoke and didn't seem to burn when he smoked it, provided you didn't go crazy with all the puffin. And inspired by this, this pilgrim sent samples of this briar wood to pipe makers in St. Claude near the Jura Mountains in France, who began to manufacture them commercially. Now, uh, the English, being English, when these new pipes showed up, didn't have time for that fancy French pronunciation. And these came to be known as briar pipes uh, when they were introduced in the 1850s to immediate and resounding commercial success.
0: But it's called Edie's on the West
1: Coast. So for the
2: the... (laughs) what?
0: Briar's ice cream. An edies, ice cream. Oh, I get
2: it. So, yes, yeah, I see, yeah, yeah. So does the briar pipes, when you smoke them, does the wood expand, contract, turn brittle, magical? What happens? Oh, it just doesn't burn. Okay. It so
1: it burns a little. You have to lay down, you sort of have to develop a sort of coating of it before it really starts hitting its potential. Um, once you when you develop a briar pipe, there has to be a sort of a coating of tobacco within it before it starts really being good. And then the refractive, not refractive, there's a word for like the ability of, of uh, material to disperse heat uh, starts to kick in more and you start having that same quality of uh, uh, as you observe in meerschaum
2: Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's got the disperses. It's got the
1: disperses. So, with all of these pipe types, uh, the Victorians decided that a proper ritual on the passage into manhood was the selection of a pipe, dividing up meerschaum by quality of quarry and carving, and briar pipes by the straightness and color of the grain. This was an especially important passage into manhood, as the Victorians believed that children should not smoke. Smoking was for men, something children might aspire to, uh, but could not enjoy until they were of age. Uh, This thinking came partly because of the 1870 Education Act, which required all children to be given formal schooling and sort of created them as a protected class, and then subsequent legislation, which sort of expanded on this. So now children weren't seen as cheap labor. They were seen as their own class that had to be protected and, you know, kept safe.
0: Mm -hmm. And this um, ritual to adulthood, this is only for boys?
1: Yes.
2: Okay. Only for boys. I'm going to get into that. It also... Sounds a lot like the wand selection process from uh, the Harry Potter franchise, (laughs) where it's just like, these different lengths and types and centers and... Look,
1: Harry Potter is a British book, and it owes a lot to British culture, and that gets, yeah,
2: handed down, for real. The pipe chooses the... The pipe chooses the smoker. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that was the actual formality, I don't know. I imagine they selected. Like, did their parents... W- you know, like the process was, <clears throat> was them actually choosing a pipe. Yeah. But did they have to choose one that, like... I don't know. Like, it sort of reflected your personality, kind of. You uh-huh. know? You wanted to find one that
1: fit you, that, like, says something about you. That's why there was such, like... Uh, difference between them and there were differences in prices like a, a, a pipe with straighter grain for mm. a wood pipe was more expensive and thus if you could afford it it was a statement that you were a, you know, a man of some means all sorts yeah. of stuff like that so kids weren't supposed to smoke though and young boys who smoked were warned that they would grow up stunted infertile or with smoker's heart a debilitating condition that would not only weaken them physically, but also sap them of the bravery that they needed as adults.
2: 400 years was enough for them to start to recognize the ill effects
1: of. Tobacco. Well, interestingly, they didn't see this as a problem for adults. Once you became an adult, the dangers of smoking passed. You know, It was only that kids couldn't stand it. It's
0: like, oh, he's got smoker's lung. That's because he started smoking at eight years old.
2: Exactly, yeah. He had waited two years. But he didn't start smoking until he was 28. Well, he lied about his age then. He must have been sneaking it as a boy. I guess it makes a bit of sense if you're smoking that many years, especially developmental years, that... I mean, they would recognize that pattern as opposed to an adult, but yeah, still.
1: It was a whole thing like a well they you know, they they knew that smoking had effects, you know. They could see that people got more energetic when they smoked or less anxious, or all sorts of stuff. People could feel a difference. And babies they figured, just tended to die. <laughs> no matter how many pipes we have, these babies smoke. It never seems to help. <laughs> people would dress up fancy and turn into horses Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but kids, you know, they were banned from smoking, but they still wanted to. Like you said, they would sneak them, right? So there's a lot of stories about boys you know, trying to sneak cigars or cigarettes, babies pretending to smoke pipes, all sorts of stuff. Like um, mm-hmm. in order to sort of channel this desire to smoke, but not actually I have kids smoke, an in industry sprung up. For chocolate cigars and later chocolate cigarettes. And the chocolate Ooh. cigars were manufactured to bear the closest possible resemblance to a real thing. And they were, even had like edible fondant ash at the end. <laughs> People would wait till it's cold outside and, and take the chocolate cigars and just. <gasps> <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, you mentioned uh, women. And this is a, a, this is a good point to talk about this. Women weren't supposed to smoke. Um, If you were of the working class, you as a woman, you were allowed to smoke because you were a wretch anyway, you know, (laughs) everyone in the working class could smoke. Nobody really commented on it. But generally, you know, you were a wretch or a prostitute if you smoked as a woman. Um, And in the upper classes, if you smoked as a woman, you know, you were considered unfeminine or a seductress. There was a whole thing of, since smoking was such a masculine thing to the Victorians, if a woman smoked, that must mean that she was deliberately invading this male space to put men off their game, I guess. It's not quite the right word, but like to, to discomfort them and thus to shake use that, things up. To shake things up and thus seduce them. Mm. And it was actually considered very impolite to smoke in front of women. Uh, there was a whole book of like etiquette about, well, there was mention of a lot of etiquette stuff about when it was appropriate to smoke. And it was like never in front of a woman. And, um, Two things because of that. Uh, one, men were expected to give up smoking after they married or else have, if they were in the upper class, install a smoking room in their houses. And actually, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, Prince Albert didn't give up smoking. And his smoking room, he, he knew that Victoria hated it. So he, the smoking room is the only part of their palace that doesn't have the V and A entwined for Victoria and Albert. It just has the A. <laughs> oh. And with the smoking room came the smoking jacket.
0: Can I talk about the rooms for a second?
1: Absolutely. So my
0: mom and I recently went on a tour of a uh, mansion in Mm -hmm. Yonkers. It was one of the first big homes there by the, uh, I think it was the Trevor family. They were a Dutch family. Um, Anyway, their home was unique in that even though... You know, as you were saying, the smoking room was for men. There was supposed to be the the drawing room that was mostly for women. Mm-hmm. So they had a fun fact there that when they had gendered rooms, the rooms that the women were expected to be in had much wider doorways so that their dresses could fit through. Oh. But the doorways were smaller for the male rooms because <laughs> no ladies coming in there. <laughs> and if they have to, they will have to turn turn sideways and shuffle in. <laughs> but, um, uh,
1: that's but yeah, great. It was interesting.
0: Their house actually did have fairly uh, regular doorways, though, because they were like, yeah, the Trevor family actually didn't do this gendered room nonsense. Because they, yeah,
1: they weren't; they had their shit together.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> though they did have bigger doorways between the smoking room and the um the dining room.
1: That's interesting. That's probably because probably you needed to get a lot of dudes in there. Dudes were expected to retire to the smoking room together to, like, talk and smoke. Mm. And smoking jackets were there as a thing of, like, you wear those so that your regular clothes don't smell like ash, and thus you don't offend your wife's delicate sensibilities. Yeah. That's... Consider it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also a part of pipe culture, because if you've ever smoked a pipe, and I haven't, but I've read about it extensively in this book I've been reading, (laughs) they go out real easy. And so you would smoke indoors mostly with pipes, as opposed to a lot of today's smoking culture, which is an
2: out-of-doors hobby. My friend and I used to smoke a pipe occasionally, Mm -hmm. and we had a did it indoors, but we would just open a a window and just try to blow the smoke deliberately out Mm -hmm. so that – because, yeah, it would – Stink a little bit, yeah. You know. Stinky, haha! That was me and Ben.
1: <laughs> Two smoking boys. Oh. oh, so speaking of smoking and health, though, as we talked about uh, them not recognizing that smoking's bad for you, smoking was actually thought by the Victorians to be an aid to good health and character. Being smoked for courage before a trying talk or or dangerous thing they did, or and also being used to uh, regulate one's bowels which the Victorians were crazy obsessed with. Uh, the Victorians believed that going too long without pooping led to what they called auto-intoxication, where the sufferer literally suffocates on their own poop as their organs shut down by them being backed up. I
0: mean, if you wait long enough, mm-hmm. that will happen.
1: It will happen, but not as quick <laughs> as they thought. And so there's a huge market for laxatives, and tobacco's ability to make you poop. If you've ever smoked, you know it makes you poop. Oh, it does? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, um, the...
2: Because it's a stimulant, yeah. Like it's, it's a to stimulant, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, like caffeine does. It's and nice. seeing how well smoking made you poop, they developed a special tobacco enema, <laughs> delivered by an instrument called a kleister. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: definitely <laughs> heard of coffee enemas, yeah, so yeah, I guess it makes sense.
1: Tobacco enemas tobacco too. Enema. I hate it. Uh, um, yeah.
0: And this is when there wasn't indoor
1: plumbing. This this was around the start of indoor plumbing, but it was definitely the chamber pot age. Yeah.
0: And when my mom and I went on a tour of that house. They said that actually the the rich people were somewhat opposed to indoor bathrooms because they didn't like the idea of poop being in the house.
2: Mm. I'm imagining also that just the idea that, like, chamber pots go through a similar, like, material evolutionist pipes. It's like, they used to just be clay chamber pots, <laughs> one <laughs> use only in the working class. The and Meerschaum chamber pots of- colored to a delightful brown yeah. over years of use.
0: Look at that patina. We just <laughs> had
2: these lifeguards just passing one person a person, seven years, <laughs> and then it had a rich, rich color mm-hmm. to it. Oh, you're having trouble getting past and stuff. Here's a pipe for your butt. What happens when you poop in a wood chamber pot? It burns. The snow is falling, and the butts are smoking. For some reason, it's weird.
1: (laughs) Just picturing a butt with wearing a top hat with a pipe. (laughs) Jackie, you laugh. That means you support me.
2: I uh, just now I'm just as gross. I'm just yeah. imagining one of these dandy horses just like taking a trying to crap into a chairpot <laughs> and just like <laughs> <laughs> it just flows over immediately. And they're like, hmm, the epitome of hell. <laughs> so, uh, so hoof, hoof, it's the epitome of hoof, so <laughs> hoof, a pinch of snuff. <laughs> Well, well, someone is living the best possible life. Someone is, uh, is Voltaire's best possible version of things. Oh uh,
1: that's anachronismo for combining philosophy and humor. Ugh. An intellectuals' podcast. Yep. So, um.
2: High-class, low-brow humor.
1: So the, the, the pipes also f- uh, flowed over into fiction. No character was considered complete without a smoking habit, a tobacco habit. It reflected what kind of a character they were, you know, and how they smoked. It reflected the parts of the character and vice versa. Dickens was famous for having all of his characters smoke. One last fun fact before we leave this story behind. So we've been talking about Victorian England right now and their, their tobacco habits. What do you think was going on in America right now?
0: Tobacco prohibited.
1: (laughs) They tried to actually pass tobacco prohibition after alcohol prohibition, but uh, no. Darn. Was it less pipes and more cigarettes? No, and cigarettes weren't really popular until after this point. Uh. Uh, Before this, they were considered to be for degenerates. A lot of things were considered to be for degenerates until they caught on, and then they were for sophisticates. Even though they were substantially the same thing. (laughs) uh, Cigarettes cigarettes are wrapped in paper, and uh, cigars are wrapped in tobacco leaf. And that's uh, that's people were that's shitty the about it. That's people right. were real shitty about um, it. Um,
2: yeah. late eighteen
1: hundreds. I can just tell you. Yeah. Cha. People chewed tobacco in the states. Ugh. A lot, a lot. When you chew tobacco, you have to spit out the spit that comes out, right? So was that considered
2: low class? It would ever.
1: No, no, it wasn't. No, Ugh. in America. Everyone chewed tobacco, from the highest prince to the lowliest peasant, neither of which we had in America. (laughs) (laughs) But Dickens went to America. And after this point, Dickens had kind of liked America, and it was expected that he would love America when he visited. But a lot of what Dickens writes about is how gross our tobacco habits were.
3: I mean,
0: they are.
1: They are. It is gross. Were there
0: gender difference for this, too?
1: No. Everybody chews and spits everywhere. You know spittoons? Yeah. Those were considered... Fancy the chamber <laughs> pot of the mouth. Mostly, people just spat wherever. So Dickens was in indoors, uh, indoors, outdoors yeah. on riverboats. Dickens would wrote about how he got out of bed and slipped on chaw in the middle of the night on a riverboat he was on. That's he disgusting. wrote about how he would go into a place and just uh, the ground would be wet and it would be because because people spit all over the place. He went to visit Congress, oh. and do you know what he wrote?
0: They had to pull the carpets up.
1: Actually, Jackie, <laughs> he said. Don't pay too close attention to the carpets. Uh, that is
2: disgusting. Yeah. Holy shit. The only part, like, the I, only. I, I do like the fact that it was all equal, though. No class, <laughs> no, like, just like, yeah, we're, we're all created equal, so start spitting.
1: <laughs> the great spit It was yeah. Oh, awful. <laughs> yeah, I can't. The it's great disgusting. equal saliva. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, yeah. So he returned home and he was like, "I'm never going back there." <laughs> Apparently, the only like one of the few people he encountered who didn't chew tobacco and spit was the president. Who <laughs> he's like, "Ah, oh, finally, someone who smokes like which, a gentleman." Which president <laughs> was this? Oh, I didn't write it down. I can look it up real quick. Hold on. Who's after Ches- Lincoln. So <laughs> something I've been Cleveland, doing with this. Lincoln, Chester A. Arthur. Uh, I can't Something I've been doing with um, James Garfield, maybe. Before something I've been doing shot. with this microhistory book is I finally have gotten past my feeling about not writing in books. <laughs> so what I've been doing is on this frontispiece page, I've been writing on the pages, page numbers, and what it is of like various interesting tidbits I have no, found. Nice. It's really well, good. That's yeah. a good
0: strategy. I like.
1: I've I've been enjoying it. John Tyler, President John Tyler. Oh, so that was like every really. president before him smoked. Dickens recommended in the Senate. That visitors keep their eye off the floor, and if they happen to drop anything, although it be their purse, not to pick it up with an ungloved hand on any account. So this is early. In the hospitals, the students of medicine are requested by notices upon the walls to eject their tobacco juice into the boxes provided for that purpose, and not to discolor the stairs. (laughs)
0: Please I, don't I, spit in the surgery. In some... the
1: courts of law, the judge has his spittoon, the crier his, the witness his, and the prisoner his, while the jurymen and the spectators are provided for, as uh, so oh, many men in the course of nature must desire to spit incessantly.
2: <laughs> this wow. Yeah. Ooh. So this is so if John Tyler, so this is like eighteen thirties through like eighteen nineties that this is uh, It
1: was No, this was whole Victorian era. Dickens traveled throughout the United States between January and June of 1842.
0: Yeah. My cousin used to do... It was called dip at the time, but I think it's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. Did it, and it was disgusting. Yeah, he used and you would uh, just have a... Uh, what do you call it? Like a soda can yep, that he would spitter. just spit it into. Awful stuff. It was disgusting.
1: Yeah. Don't do tobacco, people. He doesn't do it anymore.
2: Yeah, It's terrible. What did they... I mean, hardly relevant or impactful, but with chewing tobacco, how do they... It's not just the leaf. Like, they have to do some processing to it. Is, yeah, it's processing it no like to a plug. It's generally treated with... Slurry mol- or...
1: No it's, no, it's not a slurry. It's it's a plug. And it's generally, generally tr- treated with molasses and oh, okay. some spices to and made into, like, a hard plug that you whittle a piece off and tuck into your cheek. Although now you get more, like, the loose stuff. So was it the, more of, like, the molasses
2: and the spices that were probably, like, yeah, the, it was the disgusting of it. part yeah. of, mm-hmm. like, how it was just, like... Yeah, you're spitting just molasses all over the place. And
0: chewed up leaves. It's molasses,
2: yeah.
1: but it's also like the, the tobacco itself makes yeah. you salivate a lot and also discolors it a lot. It's not just the molasses. It's mm. a, There's a lot of the tobacco shit in there. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I could honestly talk about uh, History of Tobacco for hours. This is a small part of one chapter of this book I'm reading. <laughs> And that book is Tobacco, A Cultural History of How an Exotic Plant Seduced Civilization by Ian Gately. And I really recommend it. It is hogwild. And I, I honestly might come back to some stuff from this book and do some more research on the other things because it is fascinating and really stupid at times the ways we've we've smoked tobacco. There's all sorts of stuff with um, like cigarette wars, all sorts of stuff with various cultures. Now, the Dutch are constantly doing wacky ass shit. Yeah. Honestly, we should. We might want to consider a um, a, a segment on just having a recurring segment on the show of what are the Dutch up to? Yeah, <laughs> when did they stop the whole
2: uh, wait? Let's not give tobacco to babies.
1: They solved that problem. They're not getting.
2: They're not getting stronger.
1: <laughs> I will say it wasn't just the Dutch who did this. In Burma, they would also alternate between um, having a baby, uh, you know, uh, breastfeed one suckle and then the next suckle smoke. Uh, smoke a pipe or a cigar. So yeah, that is one small chapter in the history of tobacco, which is very interesting and very bad for you. Don't smoke. Don't use tobacco. But um, do, if you want to study history and you're looking for wild stories, the history of tobacco is hog wild.
2: If you could design an intricate pipe that had like as, many, as much detail as you'd like on it, what do you think you'd go with? My my first thought is I won't commit to this answer, but my first thought within modern times is just a really detailed Danny DeVito one. Because <laughs> I feel <laughs> like that's just like you could even have a have one of those little latches where, you know, it kinda has um the holes in it and you kind of almost like a stein, you kind of flip the cap up and put the tobacco his in it. It would head. just be his bald head. <laughs> would be, he looked like he was angry. He had smoke <laughs> coming out of his head. Now I'm going to commission this mm. pipe, I think. The well, it looks
0: said like there were ones shaped like faces, so yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if there was Danny DeVito of the time, there was a pipe of his face. I
2: mm-hmm. wonder how much it costs to get a pipe commissioned and get one commissioned They're expensive. They're yeah, very expensive. I know.
1: Especially Mearsham. Wow. But you could you could afford it. You make good money, I assume.
2: I would do. No, something. don't. People will people who listen to the podcast will mug me. <laughs> Anacronauts,
1: if you're listening to this, and you meet Noel, mug him. He has so much money. He's constantly just trailing bills as he runs.
0: I would borrow a page from a National Treasure and make a pipe with a clue to where I've hidden something exciting.
2: Mm. A smaller pipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't <laughs> well, ruin
0: so, it. No.
1: What would, yeah, smaller <laughs> pipe. What, how would the clue be revealed?
0: Um, well, in National Treasure, the pipe is kind of like a key to open a secret door. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking I want it to be more like the design leads you to a clue rather than it being a uh, well, slot thing.
2: Well, they did because at the start, the first clue they get is they they has like a little tiny poem or like phrase on the inside that they roll on the paper right
0: right but i I don't want that i want the design of the pipe to be the clue so
2: just a big arrow pointing north (laughs) that would be cool if it was like all reversed expectations Was like a pipe of a safe and you had to find a giant key to put it in and open it up
0: (laughs) (laughs) and inside is just the tobacco
2: chamber (laughs) yep
0: "Yep, there's no prize (laughs)
2: Uh, I would have a pipe. Oh yeah. wait! You open up. There's like a giant decorative key. Yeah, and the pipe, like, is shaped like a safe, and you put it in, and pull out a little piece of paper, a little tiny piece of paper with a little combination for the little safe <laughs> on, on the pipe. And, pipe, in and inside, you... inside that it inside that pipe safe, is a cigarette. Yep. <laughs> Just be like, and a little inscription that says, "Smoke 'em if you got 'em." <laughs> yep. And
1: the wise words of our founding fathers. But two. Uh, I would have a pipe in the shape of a horse in the, that was also smoking its own smaller pipe oh, in the, the shape of a man <laughs> that is smoking a smaller pipe in the shape of a horse. A oh, horse, little horse dandy. little horse with a big yep. old hat. A mm-hmm. reeking gallon. Mm-hmm. And it would be the whole horse, so I'd be smoking it out of the butt.
2: Or like, naturally, naturally. like horses riding naked men playing polo. <laughs> 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 How many men? <laughs> yeah, a lot. Have to hold a, horse? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so many of them. Like, uh, it's Mrah. Two men in a horse
1: costume and a horse, no- and one horse in a man costume.
2: <laughs> uh, nay, I say, uh, d- d- Dutch Duke. Uh, Clip clop. Uh, fine day to play polo. Nay. <laughs> oh, it looks like you disagree. It looks like you're front. Two people have died. Ooh, a spot of bad luck to clip-clap. <laughs> <laughs> Let us go excrete in these bowls, these little tiny cute bowls. But first, a smoke break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that means yes. How <laughs> am I just... going to
1: light it with these hooves? <laughs>
2: <laughs> like they have like a uh, flint and tinder like Very <laughs> <shoes. laughs> <laughs> 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 hey, Yeah.
0: <laughs> that would be so cute, though, if you have to have it with a friend, so you can't do your own. You Aww. need your friend to have flint, Aww. and then you they would the
1: high room. five each other each time for the sparks. There's like a little
2: friendship necklace, yeah. like yeah. shaped like a like a heart. Yeah, and and one, like, worn by, one by a horse. Is flint and one is tinder, and they go,
1: Yep. <laughs> 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 and it creates sparks.
3: Yeah, because they're friends. Mm-hmm.
1: Sparks of friendship. Sparks of friendship. Yep, that's a good good punk band name right there. Boom. <laughs> sparks of friendship. Sparks of friendship. We we'll right back after this brief break.
2: Man, those are some good cigarettes. Mm, mm,
1: yeah, oh, I love them. I mm. love
2: mashing them up into soup and just...
1: Yep, Oh, and they're made of chocolate, so it's extra good chocolate soup. Mm, yum. Mm. Mm. I, man, I got some mm, – hold on, though. I got to take a break from this soup real quick mm, to give yeah. some messages to the listeners. Mm. I
2: wish that mm. Massachusetts, when they passed that law making it you had to be 21 to buy cigarettes, they hadn't expanded it to chocolate cigarettes, <laughs> too. It feels <laughs> humiliating to have to buy candy and wait till I'm 21. Yeah, because you, yeah, you can buy it, but you can't eat it until you're 21. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah man, they, <clears throat> they catch you. They trap
1: you. Yeah, but you know you don't have to, to wait to do? Uh, Jewel
2: mm. pods. <laughs>
0: But no that you can't buy them in mass anymore.
2: You can use them though.
1: Yeah, and you can use them while you're leaving us a review on iTunes.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe take double take and you can't, this one. No, we're
1: getting, no, we're in this now. We're, we're in this. Away from no, we're in this, and this is how of, our break's gonna go. Mm. And you right. also
0: can't buy chocolate cigarettes anymore because those are also no longer allowed because they're That's marketing right. to children but you know oh. you you know
1: you can buy you can buy into the other great shows on the make fun network like top five of death this rules this sucks or the Mail Mail kitty Podcast. oh yeah the soup's so good don't feed chocolate to cats they're not like dogs it won't poison them but it'll make them poop Oh, it's so good, though.
0: There are too many mouth sounds for
1: this to be an effective <laughs> ad. Yeah, it's really, yeah. This is
2: what we started with. Which no, we're going for. no, but we don't have to. I'm though. not cutting remember this. Remember when we did an I'm episode not cutting together this. and we did seven or eight <laughs> takes to get started? <laughs>
1: Kept having the giggles. That's okay. We're in the middle of this break. Mmm, mm, yum. Mmm,
2: mmm, ah, ooh,
1: delicious horseshoes. <coughs> uh, <coughs>
2: a bowl full of broken teeth in every bite. <coughs>
1: you know what won't break your teeth, though, is the new. Uh, radio sitcom True Tales of the Illuminati that's coming out soon.
2: Unless you're listening to it while running, grinning (laughs) through a brick wall. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm, It'll make make you laugh so hard that you accidentally eat a horseshoe when it flies into your mouth during a tragic racing accident. In True game Tales of the Illuminati, shoes. game the Illuminati. of horseshoes.
2: What are you, talking about odds of a, of a horseshoe randomly flying <laughs> yeah, through the air. Yeah, you go with a horse race and not the game of horseshoes. Yeah,
1: don't don't listen to True Tales the Illuminati when you're in a horse race, when you're riding horseback, or or, um, if or you're a, a horse, horse riding shoes. man back. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. But do listen to it any other time if you enjoy listening to uh, Illuminati goons bungling a conspiracy through history, like how they uh, fail keeping a pyramidal uh, library secret and so have to turn it into a tomb in our first season about the pyramids. Oh, it's great. Noel, are you in that show? No. I mean, yes. Yes, you Ooh. are. <laughs> you, yes, you are, Noel. <laughs> well, who are
2: you about to call me? Who, who, you who do you play? Who do you play? <laughs> <What> do you <laughs> you bad boy. Oh, that, uh, who do you play, Noel? I play a stout fella named Ishmael. Mm, mm. You can call me Ishmael mm-hmm. or Noel. Mm-hmm. The, please call me Noel if you see mm-hmm. me. I won't respond to Ishmael. <laughs> <laughs> call him Noel. But he plays
1: Ishmael, an Illuminati goon who's got a heart of gold and a soul racked by guilt for the many murders he has to commit, and a lot of heart problems <laughs> a with heart... his heart of gold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not
2: good for pumping. <laughs> Not—it's a soft metal, but it's not good for like mm-hmm. contractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What a great ad. Yeah, it's a great ad. Is. We're doing great. It's uh, it's, a, it's a
1: show we, uh, I've really loved writing and making. I've really loved uh, having Noel as part of. It. I think it's really great, and I think you're really going to enjoy it if you check out True Tales of the Illuminati. And you can check out our website at truetalesteam.com, uh, you know, or follow them on Twitter, too. Like you can follow Anachronismo on Twitter at, at Anachpodcast. Podcast. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Yay! (laughs) And
0: welcome to the break. (laughs) We should redo that first
1: part of the break. What do you want to plug here, Jackie? What do you got to plug?
0: Oh, um, I can plug Improvised History. Mm -hmm. We are starting a new theme for our shows that are the first Friday of the month. Mm -hmm. Our new theme is going to be the 20s. Mm The 1920s. Mm -hmm. But we picked it in honor of the 2020s I see. starting.
2: I would love to plug... Morton's chocolate cigarette soup. The best kind of soup to eat while plugging other shows. <laughs> mm. Oh mm. yum. I'm mm. in I'm in Comedy Sports Boston. Mm. Check us out in, in Rosie Square Theater. Oh, right.
0: We're back into too many mouths.
1: <laughs> and that's the end of our break.
0: Wait, I didn't actually give information on how you can find out about improvised. Oh, history. too bad, Jackie. <laughs> well, here's
2: your bowl of dot Improv-
0: Mort- com. Improvhistory.com.
2: Jackie, you barely touched your Morton's chocolate cigarette have a, soup.
1: Have a bite, Jackie. Mm, and back to our show. It's
2: the <laughs> soup that you can't eat without making noise. Uh. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to talk about Ferdinand Tamara. Mm-hmm. And I've already spoiled it that he was known as the great imposter mm-hmm. um, in the mid 20th century. Because of the various roles that he assumed in life. Uh you want to take a guess as to any of them? He played a horse. No. He played That's, a man. Uh, yes. He played a man in a horse costume. No. He played a smoking man. You've lost all your guesses.
0: <laughs> I'm going to guess that he... Impersonates a rival mayor and visits another town. No. A rival
2: mayor, M. I. R. No, no, <laughs> no, visits? no to both. No to both. <laughs> um,
0: a prominent business owner.
1: Um, pastor. No a pasta. Pastor. Impasta. No, no, no. He he, impo- he impersonates the pope and outlaws snuff. No.
2: Yeah, Impersonates mean, with some really, snuff and outlaws, these are Popes. All really cool. This is now making this guy's <laughs> life look a little less interesting, Would. even though it's super fascinating because he's not going to live up to, oh, he imitated the pope, <laughs> uh,
0: prominent business owner.
2: Uh, you guessed that.
0: Well, I think I'm right, so I'm saying it again. No,
2: um, <laughs> nope. Some of his stuff included prison warden, lawyer, three monk orders, okay, cancer researcher. Uh, Monks Uh, ordered Chinese food, they ordered Italian, and they ordered (laughs) tacos. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Those are the three orders? Three monk orders.
2: Oh! (laughs) Go on. And I'm going to save the best one of this, uh, surgeon. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so... Ferdinand born in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Blah, 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 blah. Lawrence, Massachusetts. Lawrence, Massachusetts. Yeah. So he didn't have too remarkable of a childhood. His family kind of went from upper middle class to sort of lower middle class as a result of the Great Depression. Things that were noted about his life early on was that he was highly intelligent and that he also supposedly had a genuine photographic memory where he can just commit to memory, I guess, like any visual he sees. The makings
0: Uh, of a supervillain.
2: You're right, yeah. If you're gonna be an imposter, like, having your backstory, like, anything you take in, like, immediately just callable to be like, yes, this is exactly the lie. I need to keep keep proceeding with.
0: Wait, is he a righteous person or is he a villain?
2: What a way to frame it, Jackie.
0: (laughs) Because I I realize we haven't been told yet. He's not,
2: I would put him as neither.
0: Personal gain for the better of the world? What were his motivations Uh,
2: here?
0: I assume personal gain. For,
2: um, no, actually. Well, it's interesting. His core philosophy is summed up by his described motivation as rascality. Pure rascality. (laughs) that rascality never really came at the harm of anyone else. Okay. And it never came at... I
0: feel like prison warden.
2: So he was a scamp, is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, so he didn't...
0: Like, is he letting dangerous people out?
1: Is he no, freeing no, those who wait. don't
0: deserve to be imprisoned? No.
1: Is he executing everyone? No, wait. Is he
2: just getting keys copied for free? prison wardens <laughs> They just are like, I am an imposter prison warden, so I'm going to let out all these prisoners. He just yes, had a genuine interest. I think the
0: warden decides when the he, doors are open or not. He had
2: a genuine interest <laughs> in... Oh, just... he just
0: did it to learn?
2: Yeah. Okay. What a
0: waste of an imposter.
2: <laughs> wow,
1: Jackie. Wow, Jackie. I love the burning coal of evil that lives in your heart.
0: It's not. It evil. burns if,
2: brightest
1: if, when.
0: If I'm gonna impersonate someone, yeah, there should be an end.
1: Yet learning is an end, it's
0: Jackie. Right. in this
2: case. The core, his core philosophy was that... Uh, I'll jump ahead to this to contextualize this because... I'm you sorry. Just look you, can, you can do it
0: at whatever <laughs> pace but, you
2: want. Um, from quoted from his biography, uh, Damara had come to two beliefs. One was that in any organization, there is always a lot of loose, unused power lying about, which can be picked up without alienating anyone. And the second rule is, if you want power and want to expand never encroach on anyone else's domain open up new ones kind of cool kind of cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he was in the idea that
1: don't any- Im- don't impersonate other people impersonate new people
2: <laughs> well no he didn't do that he didn't go that far as to not to always make up new people uh an identity he did borrow names um It was interesting. Like It was just like he just had this sort of lingering fascination um, with just bouncing around to just different careers and paths and interactions and places around the world that he just never kind of stayed in too many places at once and just sort of learned an area, enjoyed it, and then moved on to something else. Hmm. So I will start walking through some of the ones that he did. So first 20 years, no indication of what his future is going to be like in that regard. But 16, he runs away from home mm-hmm. and he joins an order of cistercian monks. And then five years later, he joins the army, 1941.
1: Right. First, the monks train him to be the best imposter in the world. Yeah.
2: I, I guess they took him in, but... Yeah,
1: monks will do that.
2: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if anything happened in that time like i imagine that like or some kind of the sudden yeah. change in life due to you know running away and the great depressions like change to you know his and his family's kind of like social status and means of support might have influenced some of his philosophy of just like looking for opportunities where they presented themselves and just kind of always having the ability to be mobile i would imagine had an impact in it but his first going mobile was taking someone else's name in the army and going AWOL. And then he tried to join two other monasteries. So he always seemed to have a call to religious philosophy or practice in some in some regard. Then he went back into the Navy. So he had joined the army, had left it under someone else's name, I guess. And then he joined the Navy. To become um pretty much a, a hospital worker, didn't like the position, faked a suicide, took another person's name, and became a uh Why not
0: just leave? Why fake a suicide?
2: I don't uh, well the
0: hospital's not gonna come after you.
2: I mean, he was a hospital corpseman though, so I think that is uh well, yeah, part of the military? He was a I corpse, so, yeah. he
1: just he, he, he faked a suicide.
2: He's a corpse man. Yeah. You're right. Oh Max.
0: Wait, this was part of his Navy duties. Yeah. That he was a Corps.
2: Oh, part of okay. Navy's. So he had joined the Army. So the Navy Army. would come after you. Yeah. 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 So they would come after you. The Army okay. as a soldier, left under someone else's name. So I don't know how those records worked out. Uh, <laughs> tried to join two monasteries. <laughs> and
0: that poor guy is stuck there and he's like, no, I'm not.
2: Go, goes I'm back, not
0: that guy, I'm this guy. Goes <laughs> and they're back like, who can say?
2: Goes back to the Navy. No idea if he's still using this other person's name or not. So mm. I don't know if this Anthony guy now joined the Navy or if he joined as himself. Doesn't like it, so he fakes his suicide. So I don't know if he's faking his suicide or Anthony's suicide. It's faking
1: a suicide, just doing a murder.
0: Of someone else's suicide. Yeah. And then everyone's distracted, so he
1: leaves.
2: I, mm. I take it from faked his suicide that at that time he had... Had re enlisted as Ferdinand, mm-hmm. but I also find it really funny to think that Anthony had gone AWOL, came back to join the Navy, and then promptly committed suicide. <laughs> I'm picturing like, like him, just...
1: him walking in, signing up, saluting, putting on the hat, the boat pulls away, and then it just
2: cuts to the dark of night, him just diving out of a window. <laughs> I gave it a shot. <laughs> so he takes another name, Robert French, and becomes a theocratic psychologist who teaches psychology at a college Mm -hmm. under this other person's name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is in Pennsylvania. Then he goes to California to be an orderly at a jail. Then he goes back to being an instructor at a university in Washington. Finally, I don't, at this point, I have no idea what his name is, who he is at this point. And I know neither does he. name he's under, but he kind of cleans the slate because the FBI tracks him down and puts him in jail for 18 months for, I guess, desertion. But I, I, I assume his desertion, but it could be Anthony's desertion. <laughs> I, but yeah, so that's kind of his phase one of just jumping from uh, universities and monasteries and military positions and, and, um, and, uh, uh, I guess this was a sanitarium. Yeah. So he's just all over the map, but kind of patterns of colleges, military, and institutions. And then he gets captured for a desertion. 18 months in the pen. So, not arrested at all for any of his identity impersonation or anything. So I don't know if they just couldn't track that down or or how they were just like, hmm, all right. Well, it's not a crime yet, so we're just going to put you in for desertion. Wink. But we're going to watch you, Anthony. <laughs> um, but after his release, he got a fake identity. So I think he stopped borrowing names because that was probably what was... Uh, <laughs> making him pinning him down by the fbi he joined the brothers of christian instruction in maine while he's there he founds a college <laughs> he founds what is now uh it was called le Manet college in maine and it moved to ohio where it is now known as walsh college but he f- he did all the work of going to law school at night joins this order founds a college and he only leaves the order because they didn't name him in a position at the college or they didn't, like, dedicate the founding of the college or put his name to the work he did in chartering the school. So he leaves. So he just leaves because <laughs> he's mad that, as you would be, that... um
1: you can Get a new identity. Get rid of this crummy old one. Yeah. He'll name himself after the founder of the college, whoever they
2: do name it after. <laughs> and then that's him, baby. So... All in all, this has been 10 years. 1941 to 1951, he has done- That's a lot of lives. That's a lot of lives. Yeah, it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 18 months in jail, eight. <laughs> so yeah, it seems more or less eight lives and 18 months in jail. Wow. In <laughs> in a decade.
1: Uh, new life one every like year and month and a half
2: yeah but this next part he goes so he's kind of done his rotations in um, institutions and as a monastic life and various religious like teaching and psychology roles and he gets back into the military where it all began goes back to his old habits he borrows another uh, acquaintance's name who is a doctor, Joseph Sear, and he joins Korean War uh, in the Navy as a trauma surgeon. What? So trauma surgeons...
0: You have need specialized knowledge for that.
2: Well, do you, though? <laughs> so, Fake it till you make it, no, he this, said. Chopping this off an arm. This is insane. Expect so expect
0: a certain number of people to die. So,
2: <laughs> so. one of his tricks is that he... This time he didn't join the U.S. Navy. He joined the Canadian Navy because this name he borrowed was Joseph Sear. So he's up to his old tricks. In the navy. <laughs> I heard it's really grand. In Ooh, the navy. Okay. <laughs> In the okay. navy, Come and get free health care but the trauma surgeon might <laughs> not be who he says he is. <laughs> um,
0: I like the idea that he tried to sign up for the American Navy and then realized the name he picked was Canadian, so he needed to go to Canada.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, Joseph, Joseph, why didn't you tell me you were Canadian? Now <laughs> I, you know, you know how, how much more work I have to do now to fake your name to get into the Canadian Navy? <laughs>
1: so what was his trick as a, a trauma surgeon?
2: Well, he was on the HMCS... Cayuga, which I don't think it's the same as the <laughs> old cartoony sound effect. I doubt it, yeah. But um, maybe that's where it comes from. Just be like, oh, it's the Cayuga. That's probably Cayuga. it. <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah, those 1920s car horns uh, really, <laughs> really got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, he actually had to perform quite a few surgeries. The most prominent of one was 16... Korean combatants that were brought aboard the ship that needed major surgery. Now, he had gotten Maybe. by with some surgeries by just...
0: Scrubbing in and standing there? No,
2: I mean, pretty much just, <laughs> just using... Just cutting all, and cutting. Just, just, just I imagine what was like, if, if penicillin were peanut butter. Yeah. I... Just rub the the
1: peanut butter all over somebody. Someone's
2: giant open wounds were a slice of bread. Right. He he was very generous with how much peanut butter he put on those slices of bread. And luckily, the the people lived through that. So I guess he used a generous amount of penicillin and was able to either stave off infection and bandage suture wounds. But some of these surgeries, like the one that all of a sudden there's this uh, huge amount of Korean combatants that need imminent surgery. He's the only surgeon on this ship. So he orders um, some of the assistants, who probably know more about the stuff than he does, to prep them for surgery. And then he goes into his room and just speed reads a bunch of surgical uh, procedure books. Because he has a photographic photographic memory. memory. (laughs) And he performs the surgeries and they all live.
0: That's pretty cool.
2: Uh, this yeah. This would be
0: a
1: wacky episode of MASH. This is like, I wouldn't believe this happening in a fictional thing is the thing,
2: you know? Like he had to do a, like, a I, I don't know the exact procedure, but like chest surgery and yeah. stuff. Like wow. yeah, he just he did removed it? bullets. Like he just. Just did it. Became a surgeon in a bow. Nobody mm. said he couldn't,
1: so he did it. Except everyone said he couldn't because you can't do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, because he never had I, – I guess uh, he might have had a little bit of exposure to things when he was the hospital corpsman who became a corpsman. But, uh, but he didn't go to school for eight years. No, no. His, his law studying didn't include uh, the, surgery. The law of the body. <laughs> Come to order. he hits, like, the hammer on, like, the sternum to... Open <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah. <Queen>! Quarter order. <laughs> All right, I got to take everything I knew about law and apply it to surgery. I'll have the bailiff hold your wounds in contempt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I sentence you to seven stitches. <laughs> I sentence you
2: to a clean bill of health. You've <laughs> been found
1: by a jury of your peers to oh. need penicillin. <laughs>
2: Doctor, doctor, this man's has uh, bullet shards in his shin. I call the surgery to order. <laughs> doctor, you shattered his sternum. I. What? The procedures must be recognized.
1: <laughs> now I need evidence.
2: Um, he's got bullets in there. That's Here's circumstantial a, at best. <laughs> thrown out of court. <laughs> Slather some pen- penicillin on him. Get him <laughs> out of here. But, um, yeah, so he performs these surgery. He becomes a surgeon from a fake surgeon to real surgeon in about two hours of study (laughs) so he actually gets relatively famous from this event because his name gets publicized as like this amazing surgeon he does all this work and the real doctor's mom is like wait "Wait a second wait my son is like in the u.s and
1: he's a a terrible surgeon
2: (laughs) yeah he's like yeah he, he has a zero percent survival <laughs> you know he's just a teacher but no the mom knows that her son is still in north america and raises it to the proper authorities who are so embarrassed because like what what are you gonna do because it's we're like,
0: arresting this famous surgeon yeah
2: because it was like he tricked them but he also Save these saved lives. every life every person that came on board and so what do you do uh, ignore it <laughs> ig- Yep Ignore it And give him an honorable discharge
0: oh, Tell no. him to use a different <laughs> Middle animal. initial And move on
2: So I <laughs> uh, Legally I don't know who got the, I guess God
1: the meeting for that Must have been like Look we messed up Really
2: bad Yeah but be- How bad could it be We just need to keep this going We we ga- oh, god we, we gave a A monk uh, We made him a we, we made him a surgeon Oh Jesus Christ But he saved a lot of people Oh but his is his not mom.
1: Maybe if we just pretend
2: none of this happened. Okay. Yeah, let's give him an honorable discharge. But who do we give it to? Do we give it to Joseph Sear? Do we give it to this Ferdinand Amara? Just give him a blank piece of paper and ask him for whatever name in No, no, that's just not another opportunity. He's going to use that. <laughs> um So yeah, they just kind of put it under wraps mm-hmm. um by just giving somebody a discharge. At this point, that was probably the peak of his fame. And afterwards, he actually had a little bit of, you know, trouble assuming lives after this. Because he was he, so famous. You know, he had a biography written about him, or an autobiography. and um, Well, that's his own fault. Yeah. Well... Sorry, I want to see if it's a biography or autobiography. I don't know what year he wrote it, but like he becomes a more recognizable figure through like newspapers and and books. So and when stuff. he
1: would try impersonating people, would be like, "Wait a second, yeah, I know you." It was kind of like you're not Schmitty Schmatterson.
2: Yeah, he's kind of like an early Jamie Kennedy experiment, and they just like were finding him out and just being like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I recognize you." He was also someone pull who, the
1: mask off. You're not the Carnival Ghost. He was also
2: kind of recognizable uh, uh, maybe at least for the time because he was very uh um he had diabetes Giant scar and he across was like space. very overweight he just had like kind of he stood out like in a time that America didn't have as much of an obesity epidemic but mm-hmm. like he cut a figure he looked unique-ish
0: he had distinguishing
2: features oh my yeah. god that's he such was... a much better way of putting it so, he looks like um richard kind
1: He looks like josh gad a little bit
0: like anyone that you say they were a football player.
2: Mm. Yeah. So, um yeah, I mean he never really gets as much success um in sort of going into other roles. Like he, he does a few of them here and there. He kind of um you know, he gets invited. I think they said they
1: want to make had a movie him about part it? of a
2: game show or something oh, where yeah. contestants had to guess who he was or something like in like what's my <laughs> yeah. line or whatever. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, a real zealot. So not a villain. The yeah. take a good look. The object was three celebrity panelists had to guess his identity. <laughs> <So> <laughs> In I, every episode. I don't know. I, I I don't know if this was an appearance on him. And they're like, hey, who is this person? And they're like, um, but... I much Naval prefer the surgeon? idea that he just shows up imperson- like impersonating people every time. I'm like, who yeah. is this guy? <laughs> Actually, yeah that that would have been. I think that was just the one off. But uh, um Then he just kind of spent the rest of his life working in hospitals as a counselor. So, doing good work. Listen, uh, I know where you're coming from because I am you. <laughs> Died relatively young at sixty, just because of diabetes. Yeah, heart failure yeah, complications because yeah. of uh, his size and everything. But yeah, he just led a really interesting life. But for how much identity borrowing, <laughs> he lived <laughs> he a arose? lot of lives in sixty years. Mm, yeah. He did, and yeah. I mean, even despite his calling himself a rascal, he did help a lot of people. Yeah. He yeah. found colleges yeah. and stuff like he had. <laughs> he, cool he definitely picked a lot of uh, service-oriented roles for. Uh, just yeah. the lives he chose. He wanted to, to help people. To he just didn't to want to help him
1: as himself. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. If you could impersonate anybody, who would you impersonate, or like what, what, what? What? Yeah, what? profession uh, would you
2: impersonate? I don't know. I feel hesitant to believe I could be competent. Like, mm. yeah. So,
1: so what? What's a what's a profession you think you could be competent enough at to pass?
2: Oh,
0: I don't think I'm particularly competent at things, mm. or it could be quick.
1: Well, what's something you could fake until you make? <laughs> Nothing. Like so not doctors. not Not lawyers
0: nothing that requires an
2: advanced specialized skill well that's yeah i mean i do wonder not to say that i think i could be an ice cream man pretty easily
1: you know i think i could impersonate an ice cream yeah but just need the truck
2: at at what point like for these things the impersonation comes from usually the prerequisites of the role like Mm. i don't know if that ice cream man like requires like Prerequisites besides like a driver's license, I see, and I, the... I think I could I think I could be a zoologist, okay, I think I could work with monkeys, mm. you know no. he did one of his jobs here that I skipped over in his minor thing, I think he was a zoologist as well, <laughs> <laughs> dude's got the right idea, yeah, yeah, zoology yeah, would caretaker. be this he'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, Feed yeah. the animal, pet yeah. him easy, easy, it's easy stuff,
0: property manager, <laughs> yeah.
2: um, I feel like I could maybe pull off uh a park ranger. A oh, park ranger, <laughs> yeah. Because I think I saying, you need yeah. some was... level of certification to get in, but I don't know if it's particularly high. Like so today I could probably fake it as a park ranger. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I'm, just... I'm gonna go with interior designer. Because mm. I feel like I could just if I had special memory abilities, I could just flip through something, learn all the names of the furniture shapes. Yeah. And mm. be able to hop on pretty quick into yeah. that. I think. Yeah.
2: What about you, Max? I already
1: said zoologist.
2: Yeah, but, like, a good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: zoologist is great. I know. Mm-hmm, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just being see. a meanie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us today. And we're going to see you next time here on...
2: Anachronismo! Anachronismo. Nay, uh, sir, Maine, a uh, lovely day to drink horse gin and tonics and scamper around on these rafts of men. Nay, yes, I say, is
1: that the mayor
2: over there? Yes, it's me, Mayor clip <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh The
1: first so... mayor, mayor of Horston. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us, Bear. That's a very lovely sash you have. Would
1: you care for a cigar?
0: Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm.
2: Oh, oh Why are
1: you kissing my man, Bear? <laughs> well, you're not smoking. You're just kissing.
0: <laughs> I'm leaving.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Oh, we've upset the mayor. Well, I'm
1: back to chewing tobacco.
2: Well, let me get over
1: this this fence.
3: (laughs) Brought to you by Make Fun Network.